Cincinnati. to episode 213 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons and we are fresh and scrubbed and pink and lovely from another NFL draft and uh, we're here to, um, well, go through the picks, get our opinions and uh, when I say we, of course, I mean me and Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. How you doing, son? Um... Not bank holiday Monday in it for us over in the UK. We're spoiled at this time of the year with the, you know, the bank holidays, Easter, the coronation off. So it feels quite, quite relaxed today. You know, I'm not, I'm not come off a big day at work. So you, you're gonna get the best of me today. Well, there we go. It's about time, quite frankly. I think you've been subpar recently, Nathan. And <laughs> <laughs> and of course, saying? well, yeah. Um, but of course, uh, as Nathan mentioned, it is the king's coronation. Next week, uh, I don't know if anybody cares or if you do. It's uh, it's an occasion, isn't it? Really, of some description. But um, yes, uh, there's Union Jack bunting everywhere. Goodness, goodness knows what's going to happen next weekend. But uh, this weekend, it's our May Bank holiday, which for our US listeners is just basically we get a day off on May Bank holiday tra- tradition. Um, which is good, really, because we, we've recovered uh, from the draft. It has given us time to recover from the draft. Obviously, in the UK, round one kicked off, um, you know, Friday, one o'clock. Then it was midnight on Saturday morning, and then it was five till 11, uh, Saturday evening. So, uh, as ever, with UK uh, fans, it's uh, a lot later for us. But still, we got three days of solid action and uh, i think it's safe to say nathan palmer uh things didn't quite go as um as we expected but um they did go and we have eight new shiny cincinnati bengals to to have a look at and not uh, that's obviously discounting the 10 free agents and drafted free agents that we've also bought in but uh yeah, so I mean, if you if I was to if I was to stop you in the straight street and say, "Hey, Nathan, how's it going, man?" <laughs> That'd be lovely. Exactly. It's been a while actually since I've seen you. Um, hey, Nathan, what? What? Tell me, give me a grade. Grade it. Let's go to Grade Town. I'll give it a B. Oh, so you that liked is- it then? Because I I kind of expected you. To to have a bit of a rail off about this draft because uh, you you were kind of quite into you know your favourite player to number one player that you wanted the Bengals to draft with Bijan Robinson if not you're into Jemai Gibbs you know the tight ends with that I was expecting you to to dig in uh, I, I I don't I mean I I thought the Bengals would draft a cornerback 
they did draft the cornerback that I thought they'd draft, which was DJ Turner, but they got him in the second round, which was good value really for him there. I, the thing, it's hard to, to dislike this draft because I don't think the Bengals reached for anyone. The only player that maybe you'd say, boy, you know, no one really had too much to say about him was DJ Ivy in the seventh round. But, you know, that's where you're a couple of positions away from undrafted free agents and you can just let that one go. But the rest of them, I think they got good value across the board. I don't think they reached for anyone. They filled needs. You could maybe say that, um, you know, we'll get into this in more detail. You'll be just pretending that we're meeting in the street here. But the two wide receivers were surprising, I thought, Um and the fact that in a in a draft class that probably had the deepest pool of talent at tight end for the last, you know, 10, 20 years or whatever people are saying, it's a bit of a surprise to come away without a tight end having had eight picks. But people were drafting tight ends early. They were coming off the board thick and fast, you know, and I guess the Bengals felt that they had um, on their board, they had people that were more valuable to them. Um, I heard Dave Lapham saying about the tight end position that, you know, the Bengals, not that they don't value it, but they just kind of, you know, the way they play and the way they set up, it's not necessarily a massive priority to invest a high value pick. So that's the logic there, I guess. Um, but what about yourself, son? If I, if I ask you the same question, just sort of quick oh, snap. Tactic. See, I should, I should give you a different grade. I'd say like a C, C minus, but I can't. It's a B. It's a rock solid B. I don't think there's... yeah any sort of like wow picks no i just I think they've just been really sensible and restocked yeah. where they've needed to restock with upcoming contracts in mind uh they've got a couple of weapons uh they've taken a flyer on some super athletic dude that looks like he should be in a boy band um <laughs> we we potentially got a new starting punter which again, you know, you look at uh, what happened with Chrisman, uh, certainly in the AFC Championship game, but maybe you know he started off well, but maybe tailed off a bit. So these, it's kind of tremendous value and all that kind of stuff. We hit needs; they're going to contribute more or less straight away, and then take over from some of our guys that are, whose contracts are expiring. I mean, they played the draft, I think in a way that it, it's just really sensible and yeah. really solid. And this is the way, it's almost like an old school way of drafting. This is the way that you're supposed to use a draft, not for needs, not for reaches. We've done that before, you know, Billy Price and, uh, yeah. you know, Russell Bodine and those sort of people and they didn't work out so they are just going best player staying true to their board all that yeah. kind of stuff I don't have a problem with that and it's easy to fit we already have a really good team right we already have a really good team so replenishing and restocking positions with more talent uh, more potential more speed um yeah, it's it's good stuff. I think. I mean, again, no wow picks, but just really solid stuff through through the entire class. I think. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sum it up. I think you bang on when you say about um, there being no wow picks. I think when people were drafted was about where people thought they should be drafted. Miles Murphy, a few people would say, well, you know, he could have gone higher. I also saw him go lower in some mock drafts, probably ever so slightly good value. But across the board, there, you see a lot of teams 
where people sort of there was some head scratches and some core. Cool, I didn't think he'd even be drafted, and he got drafted in the fourth round. Some of those type candidates. I think pretty much like I said across the board, these guys, the Bengals got them with value. You know, DJ Turner was there was a bit talk of him going at the top of the second round. We got him at the bottom of the second round. The same with Miles Murphy. You know, there was rumors of him going in the sort of teens to early twenties, and we've snagged him at. Um, you know, sort of late in the draft when we did. So I, I'm pretty happy with it. I, like, the only thing, I, I, it's definitely question mark. I'm not sold on the two wide receivers. I, I don't really think that that was the most, you know, most pressing need. I think when you've got guys like Trenton Irwin, Trent Taylor, Stanley Morgan, and you've got Lassiter as well, you know, who, let's be honest, is probably, you know, on, his, on the way out, you know, after that draft. But I like the Charlie Jones pick. And then when you talk about, and I, I, you know I'm going to struggle with this, is Andre Yoshivas. No, yeah, you're good. Yoshivas, yeah. That's good. Yoshivas, good. Well, it makes a change, doesn't it, Sam? But Yoshivas, <laughs> you can't, again, you can't be that disappointed with it. It's a six-round pick. The guy's, I'm not going to say he's boom bust because that's a bit harsh, but he, you know, he's got an upside. He's got some speed and size. And, you know, I think when you get into the sixth, seventh rounds, you know, you, there's no sure pick down there. You know, you almost got to take someone with high upside. He played at Princeton, which is not, you know, a particularly big school. So, you know, who knows? He might go under the radar. Great guy to have on the practice squad if worse comes to worst and, you know, train him up and see how he does in the preseason. So I, it's hard to be angry with that, you know, in terms of the two of them. But, you know, you probably would have liked them at some point, be it the full four or sixth round where they took one of those receivers to have picked up a tight end to come in and compete. But, you know, there's still time. There's still free agents out there. There's still, you know, roster cuts. There's going to be some good players that get cut from other teams. So, there's still time to fill positions of need. This is by no means the squad that's going to go in there opening day. But overall, yeah, it's hard to be. I think if you're being really angry about this draft, you, you're doing it a bit sort of, I don't know, it's a little bit, it's a bit dramatic. And it? it's very hard to be actively, you know, frustrated, angry with this draft. It's a, it's a pretty good one. Agreed. Right. What we're going to do is, is uh, rattle through these draft picks, a bit of opinion. We do have a special guest this week. It is Cincinnati Bengals cornerback Alan George. Alan's coming up later. Lovely interview with a lovely man. And then uh, we'll go to your comments, and there are a lot of them. So, Mars Murphy, pick 28. Big guy, athletic. The Bengals seem to love with some of their recent picks, especially the ones in the first couple of rounds. Guys that have played at big schools, big occasions. You know, Clemson, one of the biggest schools out there, won the national title a few years ago. It's a premium position. It's good value. There's a few people out there that have said potentially he's not got the, like, you know, rock star pro bowl traits that he's, but you don't necessarily need that. You know, you've got Hubbard who's going to be 28 at the start of the season. You've got Trey Hendrickson's going to be 29 in December. I'm not saying by any means that they're on their way out, but you do have to start thinking about um, successors to them further down the line. Joseph Asai and him can do that. You know, he's a, we did struggle with the pass rush last year. You know, I think, the quality play of the defence, uh, you know, in the secondary and the linebackers in particular, and also just the general play calling from Lou really stood out. But the one area you'd have to say was the pass rush. It was one of the weaker pass rushes in the league. You've got some elite talent in the AFC. You've now got Aaron Rodgers that's in the AFC. So, you know, you can never have too many pass rushes. The biggest cliche probably in the NFL when you say that, but it's true. And I just think, 
ball, you know, get him in there, get him in the rotation. He'll need a bit of training. A lot of people saying he sort of lacks a couple of moves. He's got his sort of one, you know, one arm move, but he, need, he needs a couple more just to be added to his arsenal to make him slightly more dangerous. But oh, yeah, solid. And I hope he can, you know, get in there on third down, um, get some snaps this season with a view to him being a big part of the defence in year two, year three. Yeah, I agree. And a few people, not least our own Andrew Dockerell, who's, uh, he graded the draft. So go to our, our uh, blog page, uh, what is it, bengalsuk.wordpress, whatever it is. Um, and he sort of says the same thing, you know, uh, this is like a more athletic Sam Hubbard. Uh, so if we get the same kind of production from Sam Hubbard, yeah. I know people are almost saying that like a bad thing, but you look at the production that Hubbard's given us, that's pretty good. And if he has a career, I know Hubbard's not a first rounder, but... Um, you know, if he gives us that kind of production going forward and eventually... I mean, it could be Hubbard's heir apparent here. He sets the edge well. He's good yep. against the run. He has got a bit of juice when it comes to pass rush, but you're right. Uh, I think that people, draft evaluators, wanted to see more from him. You know, he's got everything that you need to succeed. Uh, so I would say, yeah, he's got great upside and he'll fit in just perfectly. And, you know, with Marin Hobby and Lou Anarumu, I'm sure... That this guy will learn more tricks and more moves, and he's basically in the he's in the perfect spot to learn. Really, he's got some good uh, veterans to play and learn from. He's got some good coaches. He's on a winning team. So yeah, I like the pick, and we kind of thought it might be Murphy. You know, they'd met with him a few times, and uh, so you know, I wasn't surprised when they took Murphy. Really. Um, even over, you know, like we said, Kincaid went early. Emmanuel Forbes went. I mean, there were rumours uh, the day before an undraft day itself that Forbes was one guy that a lot of people liked, and he was like ascending and climbing a lot of big boards. So it wasn't. I mean, it, was it a surprise when Washington took him at sixteen? Not hugely. I mean, Jemai Gibbs was taking uh, the, the lions. Crazy, wasn't it? I the mean, lions went nuts. Um, yeah, but I have to say, you know, if it, you know, a lot of draft evaluators bang on about value, and they they knock the lions for kind of picking a guy that was sort of graded towards the end of the first round. But you know what? If they like, it, if a team likes a guy, then you know, it's still the first round, and they think he's going to make yeah. a difference. And you know, why not? You know, anyway. Um, Kincaid went, Denis and Forbes went, and Cansey went. Yeah. Um, so it was really down to, I'm sure, you know, uh, Murphy and someone like Michael Mayer. Um, and I just think they value this position more. Like you were saying, it's kind of like, um, what do you need to succeed in this dogfight that we're in? This first of all division, and then going forward what do you need to to survive and uh it's pass rushers and cornerbacks because it's a pass heavy league we're going to be playing out well we're not playing are we playing the jets next year next year i'm not sure um you know rogers is in our conference now herbert lamar jackson looks as well he is staying at the ravens now um who else you got josh allen patrick mahomes you know, all these fantastic nice. quarterbacks, yeah. insane. Um, so, you know, what do you need to succeed? Do you need 
a pass rush that will disrupt these guys and you need plenty of corners to to kind of defend their passes so that leads us neatly on to round two dj turner i have to say one of my guys quite happy isn't it very rare they pick one of my guys so i'm quite pleased about that but yeah dj turner like you said at the bottom of round two great value no problem with this at all love it yeah and it goes back to what we were saying about the bengals pattern they're like the big school guys you know he's played at michigan athletic i mean that four two six speed um is fantastic former teammate of dax hill as well yeah, exactly. And we said, didn't we, last week that Lou was looking for sort of, you know, he likes developing cornerbacks, he likes training people up. And if you've got a guy that's this athletic, fluid hips, all the sort of physical traits that you look for, that's a great project for him to, you know, give DJ Turner a bit of playing time. Obviously, he would have to step up if there are any injuries. But again, a nice project and a fantastic value at the bottom of the second round. You know, I really thought that he might be our pick in the first round as it could have been a bit of a reach in the first round in all fairness but you know I just really did feel like they wanted to address the cornerback position I think you would be a bit light um, going into the season if they hadn't done that and we talked about Cheeto um, his contract coming up obviously at the end of next year so that's a decision they'll have to make but now you've got two young guys there both um, drafted in the second round and DJ Turner um, Cam Taylor Britt and obviously Dax Hill um, former first-round pick in the secondary, um, in the, the safety position. So you've got a nice young unit there of guys you've invested premium picks in. You've got to hope that they can step up next year um, and make a difference. But yeah, it, it, this I think this might be one of the best. I don't know. It might be my favourite pick. But okay. Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, you said this a young unit. They're going to grow together. They are going to be learning from really good pros, both Murphy and Turner. They're not going to be starting straight away, but they will be in a year or so's time potentially. So you want you they'll see plenty of action this year. Like Dax, well, Dax didn't see plenty of action, but he saw some action and was in the group and. You know, they're, they're, they're sort of copying that template of easing Dax Hill into it and they'll ease DJ Turner into it. They'll ease Miles Murphy into it. And we could be looking in a year or two time, a year or two's time, Miles Murphy starting defensive end, left end, for instance, although he has played a lot on the right side. So that's going to be interesting to see where he lines up. I'm sure he'll be playing inside a little bit as well on, on, on passing downs. DJ Turner, learning from Awuzie, you know, um, there could be a starting uh, starting secondary next year or the year after of DJ Turner and Cam Taylor-Britt on the outside, Dax Hill at safety, and then this guy in round three. God, these segues are getting really good, quite professional. It's so, so polished this week, so oh, I don't know what it is. What's going on? Uh, Jordan battles safety. A lot of people were surprised at this. A lot of people didn't think they'd go for safety. Myself, do you know what? I started, you know, when everyone starts doing mock drafts, you you go by need first because you don't know the players, right? You just go by need. I did think safety was a need. And then after listening to all the pundits and experts all saying, no, no way, we don't need to say, I'd be really surprised if we, we drafted the safety high. I got suckered into it. Everyone talking about tight ends. Everyone talking about running backs. And I'll go back to... Oh, I'm angry myself because I should have, you know, banged the drum a bit more. But I did think safety was a need. We do not know what Tyson Anderson is. No, exactly. 
Uh, Nick Scott will be fine. We, and Frank, but, you know, there's a risk there with Dax Hill. Um, yeah, so yeah. I have absolutely no problem with selecting Jordan Battle in the third round. Um, again, big school, rock-solid character, proper leader, physical, will probably be the Von Bell type of guy going forward. Yeah, I really like the pick, and I'm angry I didn't bang the drum for safety more and su- got suckered into the tight end and running back chat. No, I, I think you're right, Sal. I mean, you, you've lost at that position two of your best players on the whole defence that kind of held it together in Von Bell and Jesse Bates, two great leaders in the locker room. Obviously, Dax Hill's primed to step up and move into that position. But like you said, we still don't fully know what we've got in Dax Hill. And Nick's got, you know, a decent player, but by no means a top-end premium free agent. He's going to come in and start, and that's going to be a you know a big step for him. We hope he can... Um, play at a high level, but like you said, Tyson Anderson. I mean, we don't know a thing about the geezer. He's a I mean, late could round. Could be pick. really good, right? But you that know, could be. I mean, he could be for sure. But you know that that's that he's next man up. You know, Nick Scott or Dax Hill hurts himself in camp, hurts himself in the preseason, middle of the season. You know, at that without dra- drafting Jordan Battle, you know, you, you're trusting the safety position to a guy that's going to be coming in. You know, like I said, obviously there's roster cuts and there's free agents still out there that could be brought in to compete, but. I do think bringing in a guy like that, um, you know, for depth is a smart move. Again, it's another big school. He played at Alabama. Um, he was there for a while as well. So the main thing for him is going to be special teams. And I really do think that Darren Simmons would have been pissed off with special teams last year. It was a bit of a... I'm pleased a you brought that up because that was the other big thing from this draft. If you look at the class as a whole, uh, is that I reckon Darren Simmons bang the drum to use that phrase again special teams were off it last year um you know letting too many yards uh on returns uh not being threatening and although trent taylor was pretty solid um do you know what i mean a couple of times didn't he and you you go back to obviously special teams literally costing us that game against the steelers i know that was more down to an injury um but still you know across the board you talk we talked earlier about the afc title game with the you know the low pun and there was a host of you know issues on special teams and you have to say for darren simmons the amount of time he's been here it's normally at minimum top half of the league you know now you've got evan mcpherson in um who's a top kicker you expect the whole unit to really sort of push forward now hopefully with you know a couple of these additions on special teams it tightens it up you know you've got a few guys in there that i mean the one thing i like about jordan battle as well is it goes straight back to that thing about we said last week and the week before they love drafting captains guys that are hard workers yeah, everything yeah. you read about jordan battle is that he's the last guy out of the building he works his ass off he's a captain he's someone that you want in that locker room and that's the perfect person for special teams you know he's gonna make sure he holds his blocks he knows what he's doing he knows his assignments and he'll learn and hopefully you know he gets a bit of a chance to learn people stay healthy and as you said before so maybe in year two three he elevates himself into a starting role but yeah i like that pick and he's someone that i think will see the field yeah, on special teams, but we'll see the field more than you'd expect from a lot of third round picks. We'll see, but yeah, special. A lot of the after the, the press conferences after each pick, special teams was mentioned a lot. So I think that was a priority. And again, that's not sexy for fans, right? That's not a tight end or no. a running back or a blazing, you yeah. know, wide receiver or quarterback or whatever. 
But special teams, as we know, it's a fundamental part of the team. And we were off it last year. So, you know, uh, another special teams mention for round four was picked Charlie Jones, uh, a wide receiver from Purdue. They liked him, very productive, very precise route runner by all accounts. Do you know what? It's interesting. In my mock drafts, a lot of the running backs that I really liked... Uh, and a couple of the receivers, Xavier Hutchinson, Parker Washington, had got by about round five. And I ended up picking Charlie Jones quite regularly. And But, you know, but at that stage, you're not quite sure whether they're good or not. And you look into them and oh, he seems quite good. But whether they'll go for the, a guy who's a bit shorter, you know. But, I mean... Two Tobin's hacked your history cell, I think, I on know, these yeah. drafts. Well, I hope he hasn't. Well, see, be quite surprised what I searched for on Google. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Yeah, I hope Charlie Jones is more Tyler Boyd than Jordan Shipley. Or um, he was a cracking player. He was all I mean, right. He, yeah, he, he has potential to bat, but he he's sort of by all accounts he was a ve- he's a very kind of. As I say, precise guy uh, that is good at separation. Um, so I think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, they're looking for a slot. I mean, I do think... He who, can return as well, which is big. Yeah, and he's got speed, and, that, and I, I don't blame this pick at all. You know, again, this seems to be the right position. Like you say, I mean, there were tight, tight ends still floating around in round four. You know, but again, you know, you got Tyler Boyd. Um, you do, know. do you know who? He, do you know who he's a replacement for? And I think, uh-oh. I, I think I know who you're going to say. Go on. It's Trent Taylor. Yeah. Ooh. Trent Taylor's 29. You know, he's the one that is more than anyone um, probably going to be the returner, or he's been the returner in the past. I think Charlie Jones is younger. He, he looks good returning. He'll certainly be given the chance to do that. And you look at the amount of wide receivers that. Um, that they're going to have on the roster. I can't believe that Trenton Irwin is going to get cut. He was good last year. He's got that sort of rapport with Burrow, good hands. I'd, I'd be really surprised if they booted him off the roster. Um, Charlie Jones is a fourth-round pick. Unless he does something pretty seriously wrong, he's going to make the roster. And then, it, you know, you're looking at Yoshivas and Stanley Morgan, maybe Lassiter. But I... I I think if you're Trent Taylor, you're going to have to do something pretty seriously right to keep your job. Because at 29, you know, the long term there, if you've got the choice between Yoshivas or Trent Taylor or, you know, the value that Stanley Morgan brings on special teams, I think Trent Taylor might be in a bit of bit of hot water um, in terms of his chances of making a roster. But, yeah, I, I, Charlie Jones, you watch his tape. He looks great. He led the FBS in receptions. I think he'd be a very solid option to really compete with Trent and Irwin for that number four spot on the you know in the receiving core quite quickly. Um, there's questions over the value there, you know. I, I not in terms of him, but in terms of where you could have gone elsewhere. You know, you, like you said, you could have gone tight end. Um, you could have potentially got a running back slightly earlier. Um, but no, I again, I think I think he'll see some time. Charlie Jones. I'd be shocked if we get to the end of the season and he's not got. 200 250 yards to his name i think he's someone that might get his head involved do a bit on special teams and yeah quite a, again a fairly safe and fairly good value that's where he was projected yeah I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing him um what he can bring 
Charlie Jones is not one for the name game, really, is it? Let's face it. Um, <laughs> uh, round five, Chase Brown running back out of Illinois. One, another, I think a lot of people, including myself, had not necessarily tabs on him, not my favourite, but um, again, lots of running backs around still. You know, um, I think Zach Evans was around, who I liked. You know, you really, I mean, there's so many, you just have to pick which one fits, you think fits who, what you want to get out of. Is it a third down back? Initially, I thought Chase Brown, oh, he looks, you know, similar size to Geo, um, giving Geo vibes, tough for his size. And um, and we should also mention that Giovanni Bernard retired, and that's his retirement from the NFL. But we'll maybe perhaps talk about that a bit down further down the line. But... Yeah, but you look at then look at bit into you think okay, there's a third down back, right? But I mean, the the amount of touches this guy had last season, especially, I mean, he's a proper workhorse. He's not the biggest, obviously, but he's strong. He's fast. He's. I mean, there's some out there saying that this is actually an eventual Mixon replacement, let alone a running back too. And I will say this: don't sleep on Travion Williams this year either. So you get two, you get two rooms that were kind of a little bit up up in the air, running back and safety. And I'd have to say, both of those rooms look much better than they did before, and you'd have more confidence in those two position groups now. So yeah, I'm all on board with Chase Brown. Um, looks good to me, I think. Yeah, I thought he looked good. He, great cuts lovely cuts when you watch him like cut left and right really speedy i mean he runs a 443 for a running back which is pretty quick the, the one thing i'd say he's a fifth round pick I, I know running backs you know of any position can kind of come out of nowhere and play well given the chance given the right offensive line it's going to be an interesting battle for him versus travion williams because i've always thought you've said it before so i know you're quite a big fan of travion he's always a good Travion when he's been given the chance. And I, I will be interested to see how Chase Brown fares up against him in the preseason, how they both look in camp and to get a feel for that. But the one guy I feel bad for here that's not being spoken about at all, that's still on the roster, we invested a draft pick in him. I think he's always quite good as well as Chris Evans. You know, he, he's the guy that not many people are talking about, maybe not giving much of a, an opportunity to. But, you know, if you're Chase Brown and you get drafted at the back end of the fifth, Chris, Chris Evans is a sixth round pick. Travion Williams has been on the roster for a long time. Look good when he's got the chance. And Travion Williams will be sat there thinking to himself, look, Mixon's not guaranteed to be on this roster by any means. There's not many great free agents out there, veteran free agent running backs. He dwells Ezekiel Elliott, but, you know, this is sort of, you know, back end of his career, you know, on the way down. He'll be looking at this in the offseason saying, look, I could win a job here. You know, and I think that's going to be a fascinating camp battle between the three of them. Yeah, I agree. But who's going to be that backup to Joe Mixon if it is Mixon as your lead guy? I mean, I don't think the Bengals can afford at this point unless Mixon gets, a, you know, uh, found guilty and has got some sort of suspension or whatever. I don't think you can really afford to go into the season with Chase Brown or Travion Williams as your number one running back. I just think it's too much of a risk that, you know, this is a guy that's going to be carrying the ball potentially 15, 20 times a game. Um, I, I think you've probably got to be a bit more um, aspirational than that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like 
I think we had to draft a running back at some point, get someone in. I thought it was a bit late. Like I said, I probably would have preferred to go a bit earlier for that position, someone with perhaps slightly more upside. Um, but I, I don't hate the pick. I, you, you had to get a running back in there. It'll be a fascinating camp battle. We've already spoken about rounds, the first round six uh, um, selection, Andre Boyband Yoshivash, and he looks great. Well, in every way, I would say, annoyingly handsome and um, just athletically stacked, uh, complete flyer. So we'll, we'll move on to the... Um, a bit of an tougher guy. The, someone everyone on the roster loves, makes a few big catches, the old, oh, yeah. the old deep ball, but perhaps doesn't have the rest of it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think watch out for lots of Yoshivash highlights during uh, OTAs and uh, training camp. I think yeah. you'll get a lot of love by the, from the camera. Uh, Brad Robbins was taken and hilarious phone call with Zach Taylor. Um, uh, his sort of, you know, you know, when Zach rings up each uh, prospect, you had Chase Brown, uh, you know, in tears quite naturally uh, and his brother shouting in his ear, let's fucking go, let's fucking go, which, I, I, you know, Zach is a bit gosh darn it, isn't he? He, he? I don't think I've ever heard him swear at all and uh, I... It's kind of quite funny hearing other people swear in front of Zach Taylor. But um, anyway, Brad Robbins uh, had a hilarious phone call with Zach Taylor. He's he's a bit of a hang time Harry by the sounds of things. You know, he's more about hang time. That's something that we haven't had for a while. He's not a boomer. He's a hanger. And um, yeah, and also a fantastic moustache, at least in, in the pictures that we've seen. Um, so... I'm a lot of people querying this a punter round six. I mean, we've shown you know you've shown with I mean Huber was was not an undrafted free agent. He was drafted in rounds, if you like, and um, we drafted Evan McPherson. We used a draft pick on McPherson, and I think well, to, to get he's a, one Jake Elliott, and he's been a fantastic yeah, kicker yeah, yeah. for the I mean, you know, he's excellent top ten kicker in the league. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah, more yeah. full up. But yeah, my my initial thing is I don't mind that my my initial reaction was I, which is still my reaction actually I don't mind this at all because it just shows you you've got to spend a draft pick on a decent special teams kicker whether it be punter or kicker and uh, the hope is that Brad Robbins uh, is worthy of that I who knows it's you know, you just don't know with punters do you so. Uh, but certainly, in terms of the selection, um, you know they traded back at the end of the third round, which they uh, accrued an extra pick, and they used this extra pick um, to select Brad Robbins. So I do not have a problem with it at all. No, absolutely, I completely agree. I mean, it's it's good value to get you know an extra pick like that that you can use on something like a punter, and then not be too worried about it because you still got Jordan Battle, who's a good player. Um, the thing with Robbins that I like is again he played at a big score at michigan you know he's used to playing in front of a massive crowd and i'm not saying that the occasion overwhelmed drew chrisman last um in the afc title game but you is a big thing of a punter you know you're on the field you got to catch that ball you got to deliver a quality punt at a, you know, at a time when it matters and you see punters now and again shank it out of bounds this and that and that's something where you know, this guy's played in cold weather as well. You know, Michigan's freezing up in the winter. You know, he'll know what it's like um, to, you know, deal with a bit of pressure, deal with a raucous crowd um, as well. So, I, again, 
the hang time thing, I think, smart. You know, you've got to really trust Darren Simmons that he knows what he's looking for in these guys. The guys he's drafted in the past, like Jake Elliott and Evan McPherson, have worked out fantastically. Um, I'm, I'm assuming he was the special teams coordinator when we drafted Kev. And obviously, Huber had a very long, successful career in Cincinnati. And you've got to think, if you didn't draft Brad Robbins... What are you going? You going with Drew Christman just pretty much on his own? You're not. I don't think at this stage you're ever going to bring Kev, you know, back in and say, look, the job's yours for another year. I think you've got to get younger at the position and you know potentially look for someone with higher upside. So, yeah, I'm excited for Brad Robbins. See what he can do and see what he can bring to the team. And rounding things off, it's DJ Ivy, cornerback from Miami, and a much longer cornerback. Uh, than DJ Turner, but you know, I don't, you know, it could be special teams. I don't expect to see DJ IV on the, you know, the the game day rosters. I mean, it could be a practice squad job for him as well. Um, who knows? But you know, why not take a flyer on again? The, this guy has got the traits that they like in a cornerback. DJ, weirdly, DJ Turner didn't have the traits that they normally go for, but he was certainly the best corner, um, you know, available to them in the second round uh, where they were picking that is um so yeah i don't mind the ivy pick i mean you know you look at brad robbins and zach Kuntz uh was still around knocking around at the end of that uh, sixth round i believe from memory but you know they went for the guys that they did so you know i've got no problem with it no absolutely not and you know dj ivy like you said i think realistically for him um, is probably going to be the practice squad and see what he can bring from there. But you never know, do you? Not a huge amount of information on him. You know, I don't think a lot of people project him to be drafted. But as I said before, you're picking him five, ten positions before you go into the undrafted free agents. And from there, it's a bit of a bit of a lottery, isn't it? You know, you're giving guys a chance. You're giving him a chance to come into camp and impress and force his way onto the roster. And I'm sure he'll do everything in his power to do that. Um, it's good luck to the geezer. And the reason I think DJ Ivy will be on the practice squad this year, and here's another quality segue, even if I do say so myself, is because of our special guest, Nathan. Shall we bring him in? Let's do it, my son. Cincinnati. And now, as promised, uh, we are joined by Cincinnati Bengals defensive back, Alan George. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very glad to be here. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um. Alan, I think uh, we were all thrilled when you made the team. There's a lot of chopping and changing last year. Uh, we'll talk about the playing side of it a little bit, if that's okay, uh, yeah. a little bit down the line in this interview. But I wanted to get you on because a while, uh, maybe last week or the week before, you alerted everyone on Twitter uh, about a new little, I don't know, what would you call it, a project? Is that a fair, a fair, a fair, a fair description? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I guess it, it's just like a... A little little side gig, um, but something that I'm very passionate about. Uh, mm. So I guess it's it's more like a a very invested side hobby, right? A side hobby. Okay. So uh, could you tell Alice? Well, I, I could describe. It, but I'll let you give the official um, description. What uh, what can people look forward to if they go to YouTube and and check you out? So if you guys go to YouTube and you were to search this channel name uh, called Off Season with the Georges, uh, you would find myself and my wife, Caitlin, um, just documenting some travel uh, that we've done this past off season. And then uh, 
who knows? I mean, down the road, this thing could be used for anything. Uh, likely, it'll it'll kind of probably shift from just being off season content and uh, do some more in season uh, in the locker room or uh, just like daily um, kind of interactions with the team. So, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to check out uh, uh, what goes on in, in the life of a, a Cincinnati Bengal, then you can easily get an insight on uh, what we what we're doing. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we we kind of take it for granted that players in the NFL, you know, they kick back, they go to Florida, they maybe go to LA or some sort of water-based coastal area in the States. And of course, the States is so enormous, you don't really need to leave the States. But you, on the other hand, have just been to Uruguay and you and Caitlin, I've, I've been watching it, it's great. Uh, and uh, if the Travel Channel are, are listening to this, I think you should definitely hit Alan and, and Caitlin up for some some uh, some interesting content there. But seriously, though, why why you mentioned that it was something that you were passionate about travel? Um, I know some NFL players that say stick to the to the US. Some guys come over to Europe. You know, um, why why Uruguay? And is that in your embedded in your brain? You you want to expand your life experience outside of the US? Is that it? Was that the reasoning behind it? Yeah. So it was. Uh, it, it she my wife is is really big on travel in general. Uh, before we had met, she had already been to several countries. Um, like oh, like ten plus. She she had already been to so many. Wow. Um, and that was before we had met uh so probably around 18 years old she she had already hit that many um so whenever we got married uh and then we went on our honeymoon that was my first time ever been outside the country and uh she just kind of where did you go where, did, where was it where was your honeymoon we went to uh the caribbean we were in saint lucia oh wow amazing yeah really really fun down there i, I enjoyed it um but yeah that was like my first time being out of the country and uh, even though we were on a resort, uh, uh, as you're supposed to be probably for your honeymoon, um, we still got to experience what life on the island is like in general of, of like how the, like the economy works and uh, just how the government systems are and everything like that. So we got to just interact with a lot of people and, and get enriched into their culture. So by the time we got back to the United States, it, uh, it kind of resonated in my head that travel is is essential because i'm from such a small city in alabama uh so before i met my wife i really didn't i didn't understand travel at all i didn't get on my first plane until i went to play notre dame when i was in college so um like i it, it was never in my, in my forefront to be able to get out and experience cultures uh, and just learn about other people um until i met her so uh, with her her favorite her favorite hobby ever is to plan uh, so she just plans trips and trips and trips and trips. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how we ended up going and hitting Uruguay. Um, because back in June and July, we uh, before the season had officially started, we went and saw Greece and Turkey together. Um, so that was fun. But then uh, this past this past offseason, we hit some South American countries. So Caitlin's a planner. Are we talking spreadsheets here? Are we talking kind of um, hotels travel uh kind of options what you do when you get there you know that kind of thing does she plan it down to the absolute yeah letter yeah. basically yeah, like she she is uh she is magnificent like she's the best travel agent to ever have uh and she doesn't she she doesn't uh charm i mean she from what from my knowledge so far i mean she has to charge anybody to help 
with itineraries, but I'm sure if she gets flooded enough that she would probably end up doing something like that. But yeah, she's a, she's 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 like a, a pocket travel agent, uh, and I love it. So when you when you left the states for the first time, what was the what was the weirdest thing for you? Can you remember? Uh, yeah, I think uh, first really it was it was just the food, um, and just and I feel like the best way to learn about a culture and to learn about a country, a new country, is through their food and what they eat uh, and how they eat it, like how how it's prepared. Um, so when we first got to the Caribbean, I was just kind of trying to get myself away from American base, uh, like cuisine, and try to try to really dive deep into the St. Lucia. Um, but I, I really couldn't, I couldn't get that much while we were on the resort. Um, so yeah. then when we went to Greece and Turkey, that was, uh, that was like my first time to really try to try some, mm. some authentic food from outside of, from another place. Uh, and it went, it went all right, I guess. I mean, the Mediterranean, that, that I found out my, my palate is just not built for, for the, the Mediterranean food, but, uh, but I was, I'm, in what I'm way, in what way, because the Mediterranean, and Greece and Turkey is supposed to be, you know, some of the best food out there, you exactly, know. So what, yeah. what what didn't agree with you? So so it, it was really the Greek food, I think. Um, like I just couldn't get with the the Greek, um, like the uh, the bay leaves with the the rice, uh, sure, and sure. I, I couldn't get with all that. Um, okay. Like when we went to Turkey, though, it was it was amazing. Like I I couldn't turn anything down in Turkey. I was eating literally everything. <laughs> Uh, and then this past trip, like to Uruguay, I ate everything down there. Yeah, because like South America, Argentina, Uruguay, from what I know, I'm vegetarian, so don't ask me, but I've heard <laughs> that the steaks and the meat down there is just incredible, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we, so you'll see, uh, by the time this comes out, the video will be out. So uh, and our, the, the next country that we hit was Argentina. And um, yeah, the beef down there is amazing. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, like I, I didn't know going going into it that that Argentina has the biggest population of cows. Um, so they just sell you, they sell beef so cheap, and it's just it's not bad beef, but it's cheap beef because they have so yeah, much, of it, yeah. so they just keep getting it out and getting it out and getting it out. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, it, it sounds, it sounds though, Alan, that you you wanna yes, going to a new country, going on a vacation is relaxing time, right? For a lot of people. They work hard all year. They go and get try and get a bit of sun or whatever it might be. But you sound as though, you know, you want to genuinely expand your mind a bit and culturally expand things. Uh, that's what the sense that I'm getting from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We are. So because both of us are really big and just trying to keep it like a like a third eye view uh, and, and and stay really open minded uh, to a lot of cultures and uh, a lot of practices and just how people get into their daily routine. So um, we we try our hardest to go and, and observe other people uh, and and not really make a judgment on, on how they live their life. Sure, sure, uh, sure, sure. So that's um that's one of the reasons why we why we and like we've enveloped ourselves really to travel. We've had it, we have it planned out all the way to like twenty twenty eight. So wow. yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> it's a lot, but but we love it. We really do. Um. What is the what's the best experience traveling that you've had so far? It could be anything. It could be like a really cool drive from a from the airport to a hotel, or it could be a, a meal somewhere. What's been your favorite moment? I think my favorite thing that I've done so far. Um, I guess I have a one A and a one B. So my my one A I would say is the uh, we we went hot air balloon riding 
uh, in Cappadocia uh, when we were out in Turkey. And that was just monumental. I, I've seen these things in, in pictures and, uh, and videos since I was a really, like a really tiny kid uh, reading picture books. And I would just see a hot air balloon and never think, I was, I was like, man, I'm in Alabama. There's no way this is ever going to happen in this city of Alabama or a state of Alabama. Um, mm -hmm. So just to ride in one of those was, was monumental. But um, I think my one B would be from this past trip. Uh, and we went, we went uh, horseback riding. It's my first time ever riding a horse. Uh, so we went horseback riding uh, in a desert. Um, and we were down in South Chile and it was just so much fun. Like it was, it was amazing. So, uh, wow, you're, you're a gaucho, you were a gaucho dude down there in, yeah. in South America, man. It was That's so amazing. <laughs> and what's, what's the worst? If I ask you the best, what's the worst experience that you've had? Because everyone has. Good and bad experience traveling. Yeah, and it, is this an unfair question? I don't know. No, it's not. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think my worst would probably be um, just the amount of cold showers. Uh, we, we took. <laughs> we took. Uh, we took cold showers when we were we were in Turkey, um, and that was just. Uh, it was just wasn't ideal. Uh, we didn't really know that we were walking into that um and we thought that that our hot white we thought we were gonna get take a really nice hot shower after like a, um after a city tour and it was really late at night but we just walked in and got hit stonewall with a uh, a cold shower so uh, i think that might be the worst there's really nothing that that's like crazy i mean i i did like almost uh i i like to say that i almost almost lost my life in the middle of the atlantic ocean because I, I, I can't really swim but uh, I went, I went, I tried to go snorkeling just to give my wife the best experience uh, and us snorkel together on our honeymoon. But I almost died down in St. Louis. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm pleased that you can laugh about it now. That would have been fairly disastrous on your honeymoon, I have to say. Yeah, but, yeah, so, yeah. Um, have you ever, like, kind of pulled out, hey, uh, I'm an NFL player for the ASC North champion Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> To get you anywhere or get you in anywhere um, when you've been on your travels, or is no. it that kind of, or or when you're anonymous like that overseas, is that quite a cool thing to do? Do you know what I mean? Is it quite yeah. different from the intensity of the NFL season and all the eyes on you, the TV, the 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 web the web stuff, podcasts like us? Do you, do you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. getting out of that bubble. It maybe the anonymity is quite a cool thing. Yeah, that that was what I was. Yeah, I, I was really happy to 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 just dive into a, a community in a, a, a country that has no. Not that they don't have a clue who I am, but they yeah. just won't. They not. And I and I, I. This sounds so negative, but like I just I like being around somewhere where, where I can't get, just get hounded. Um, right, right. Uh, and and I, we were just like walking the streets of of Uruguay or um or or Argentina, and it just felt really nice to be down there and to not have to worry about if somebody has a phone or if I'm going to have to take a picture with a kid or, um, or if I'm going to have to sign something. Uh, so it, it just, it feels really good, but also at the same time, uh, as soon as we got to Argentina and we got into our, our hotel, um, the guy at the front desk, he immediately just uh, knew that I, that I played something and then he started looking up my name and everything. And he found oh, no. me, um, and then, uh, yeah, it, it started this whole ordeal with the 
everybody in the hotel was trying to figure out who, uh, like all the workers were like, oh man, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? And then uh, it, it was, it was crazy, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, now, dare I ask, you mentioned that Caitlin's got your life planned out for the next, what, until 28. So what's that? Five years. Dare mm. I ask, will you be coming over to the UK? Is the UK on that? I can't promise sun and and sand, but, uh, well, there is some sun and some sand. But, um, yeah, is is the UK on that list? Can Alan reveal exclusively to listeners? I'm pretty positive that it is. I'm gonna, I'm pulling up the uh, our priority list <laughs> right now. Uh, let me see. Oh crap! I don't know what might not be. Yeah, I don't think it is. I really don't. I thought it was. Oh, dear. No. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the closest we get is uh is Italy in 27, 2027. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But, hey, you never know. You might be over with the team this year um, or one of these years. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So if you do make it over, do give us a shout. We'll be happy to to give us some recommendations. <laughs> I certainly um, get up there, though. That, that, is, that is a place where it's, it's, it's notched into my mind that I have to get up there. Okay, well, you are more than welcome. Now, Alan, we have to talk about... Um, just a little... For a little bit, um, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you. Um the year two is coming up, and I think I think I'm I can speak for pretty much every single Bengals fan. We love it when an undrafted free agent makes the roster. It's such a good feel good story. I mean, you went from undrafted free agent to AFC Championship game last year. Um, mm-hmm. I know there was a bit of chopping and changing. You were you were released and re-signed to the practice squad, then onto the active wo- roster, etc. And um, mm-hmm. just just tell us a little bit about your first, well, your, well, your rookie year in the NFL, and and what you learned really, because what a, what an amazing experience it must have been. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I had I had really an eclectic rookie year. It was uh, it was one that I didn't. I wasn't asking for it immediately because I, I know that only two teams make it to the Super Bowl. So I knew my odds were were really, really minimized there. So uh coming into it, I was I was just really asking for an opportunity. Uh whether we went 0-17 or we went 17 and 0, I was just gonna be thankful to to be in this space and be in an area where I'm surrounded by like-minded individuals who want to succeed in uh in what they're doing, they're putting their best foot forward. So um, yeah, I was just really happy to be around an NFL organization. But then uh, whenever we finally, when, when things, when the news broke and I and Coach, Coach Zach had called me and I, I made the team, um, I guess from that point on, I, I just started thinking, like, this team's going to be special. Like, not just because I'm a part of it, but I, I, if they can see, I knew what I possessed myself. Um, so if they could see something in me, and this these people must really know what they're doing like I, I i feel like they they know how to how to like manipulate pieces and, and make them work in certain places um for the better of the team so uh i just immediately when 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 i found that i made a team i was like okay we're gonna be something something really nice um and then for me to get all of the things that i got out of my rookie year like there's some hall of famers that that never have have even made the playoffs like some some hall of famers really uh, they really never sniffed as far as I've went. Um, but for me to get that rookie year is just insane. And not just to be there, like to, to be playing in the games, 
um, was also just crazy to me. Like it's, I almost got my first interception off of Tom Brady, which I mean, I I really fumbled the bag there. I should have I should have made the interception, but uh, what a story that would have been to 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 kind of feel like I wrote him off uh, in a sense because he's been playing. <laughs> you he's been playing he was the man that finished Tom Brady off. That yeah, was that would have that would have I would have felt like a champion at that point since yeah, since he's been yeah. playing since I was born. Uh, he's been playing in the NFL since I since I was born. So mm. if I would have been able to kind of get my my not revenge, but I guess uh, I guess just my comeuppance on him. That just was be really part cool. of his story, right? When you didn't, uh, so amazing stuff, and of course, winning breeds expectation, not just in the fan base, but no doubt with the players as well. You've mm. got a taste of it now. Year two, the boys were back in the the building this week. That's always a fun thing for fans to see. Um, how are you feeling about year two for 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 you and and the team? I think uh, I'm just hopeful. Uh, I think that that's really my mantra for 2023 in general um, is to just stop worrying about the, like I worried about as 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 good as it I made it look on the outside. Um, this my rookie year. I was really worried about a lot of internal things, and I was worried about a lot of external things at the same time. And I was trying to control everything, and I was trying to play this higher figure that that I'm not. Um, so I was, I was really trying to be in, in the driver's seat too much, but I think this year I'm really just trying to control what I can control and, um, and just let things come to me. I'll try to, I'm gonna try to force, force things to happen. And I'm also going to try to influence, but I'm not going to like go out of my way to make this thing happen immediately right now. Um, and I think, I think that's a, a part of me that I've had, I'm having to mature in and grow up in, um, but I'm um, at the same time ready to take the challenge on. Uh, I'm really, I really am hopeful though for this for this season uh, and this team. Our locker room is is really nice, uh, and I don't mean like the the way it looks, but just the way that all the people are are gelling and talking. Like um, when we first got in, it was it was really neat to hear one of the the new guys um, that we signed him up in, in free agency. He he said he couldn't even tell who was playing defense and offense because everybody was just mingling and talking with each other and and uh high five and uh, going into workouts so he was like he was like yeah I, didn't, I had no clue who was d-line who was o-line and who was receivers and corners because i just had no clue y'all y'all were all all together and i'm not used to that and i was like dang for him to say that day one is is kind of nuts because our locker room must really be different than the other 31 well you hear about you hear about it from the outside looking in as fans you know you guys seem so close so the bond is so strong the atmosphere and the camaraderie is so tight it's um is it we had coach Taylor on maybe the first year just before his first season when he you know when he was announced as the new coach of the Bengals and he told us that he wants to create a culture. And we all kind of said, well, everyone says culture. What does that mean exactly? But I think we now know what that means, right? That's what you've just described is the culture that Zach Taylor has gone about making in that locker yeah. room. Yeah, I, I love I love Coach Taylor too. He's, uh, he's the youngest coach I've ever had. I, he's, I think he's like 39. Uh, he's the youngest head coach I've ever had. And uh yeah he just he relates to us a lot uh he definitely pushes us and gets the best out of us um but he also knows when to just let us be and to to not expect these crazy things because uh at the end of the day we are all 
human. So he, he's not expecting us to to just fly up in the air and, and make some crazy miraculous one-handed catch every single play. Um, he expects things to happen, and, and he understands that we're going against other professionals. So it's not going to be an easy task. Sure. Alan, you know, I was told, actually, that you were a lovely man, and I'm pleased to confirm that. You really are a lovely guy. So thank you so much for spending the time uh, with us. We'll be rooting for you this year for sure. And uh, we can't see, I can't wait to see what you do and what the team does. So thanks very much for the time. No, thank you for this. I really do appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Sentinado. There we go. Huge thanks to Alan George there. We wish him well for the new season. What a lovely man, Nathan. It's not fair. All these Bengals players we talk to are really nice chaps, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, really nice guys. And I like that we go back to say it a lot. Zach Taylor's trying to bring nice, hardworking guys that you want on a team, that you want to build up um a quality atmosphere and an environment for people to learn grow develop and win most importantly exactly so, yeah and that's, I, that's I did, thanks to alan i did yeah huge thanks to alan i do think he did come on you know from an undrafted free agent we always as i mentioned you know we always root for an undrafted free agent don't we and i think he did a, a reasonable job last year and hopefully year two will be better for him you know and um he showed great promise um so yeah good luck to alan and obviously his travelling adventures. Uh, do a go out and check uh, check his YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> surprised you haven't started a travel YouTube channel with the amount of air miles you've racked up over the past year. <laughs> well, you never know, Sandy. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. Exactly. Uh, we should also mention that um, one of the undrafted free agents the Bengals picked up uh, featured in the name game last week do you remember which one nathan i don't i saw you tweet it and i looked yeah. at it i didn't remember it for the name game mac, so you're you gonna have to enlighten me mac hippenhammer ah yes yeah yeah, yeah. Good old yeah. Mac. Tight end, uh, sorry Tight end, isn't he? no wide receiver although sounds like he's some sort of massive bloke uh that will just lay you out with a well with a hammer basically uh, should we get to we haven't really addressed the tight end but and also the omission of any offensive linemen in this draft and I thought we'd leave that until the correspondences because uh, a few people bring up that, those topics so let's get to uh, our correspondences Leon Cook at Cook Ra loving the draft we conducted got the best players at our turn defence was in need of more young blood Miles Murphy will learn off two of the best backers uh, is a fast twitchy group now too uh, that punter pick was McPherson-esque the guy can hang a ball and with accuracy B plus thank you Leon Matty at Matt Stubby King um, not a pick there I didn't like truth to be told uh, Miles Murphy at 28 is ridiculous value battle falling to us in the third is also tremendous value. Watch some of the highlights of the punter we drafted. And as far as punters go, he's very good. Hang time for days. Great draft. Matt is pleased. Mega Farter at Mega Farter B. Shocking handle. Uh, a draft with the 2024 season very much in mind. Still pissed off that we didn't go for Koontz, if only for the lol. See, I've altered my pronunciation now. I'm being an adult, Scott, unlike some people. Uh, James at Jimmy HD. 
solid 7.5 out of 10. Rob Hill at Shirley this season. Solid handle. Drafting late these past two seasons is such a different experience considering they have to really just take what's there. They did pretty well. The team does need depth rather than new start and I think they covered that. Right tackle will be a fitter, more prepared Lael Collins. Interesting. Chris Roberts at 10.66. Chris, overall happy. Was initially disappointed we didn't take Mayer or another tight end and surprised we picked a safety at three. However, there is a logic to the picks we made uh, which have given us depth and a succession plan in a number of key positions. And I think Chris hits on something really interesting there. It didn't feel like, yes, the positions were all over the place, as you'd expect, but it they, they felt like there was a real method and a strategy here. It's replenish, restock, plan for the next year, uh, but at the same time, these guys can contribute straight away. But certainly, um, all of these top picks will be a part of a succession plan really which i you know you can't knock that strategy really i think it's a philosophical we spoke about this didn't we nathan it's like a philosophical thing with the draft do you do you draft for like now and you know tipping a team that is very close over the edge or do you still uh draft for the 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 near future do you know what i mean yeah, I completely agree. It's a difficult one, isn't it? But there's, there, there really has been a lot of very obvious picks, I think, that the Bengals have made over the last couple of years, and especially this year, where you kind of know who the person's going to be booting out the door. You know, you just talked about Charlie Jones. You have to feel that Tyler Boyd is going to be on the way out um, at the end of next year, and there's no real way that with the, you know, the Higgins, Chase, Burrow contracts to come, that Tyler Boyd at that point in his career is going to be back with the Bengals. Um, you saw it with Jesse Bates and Dax Hill. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's great succession plan. You, you wonder for the veterans on the team, does it rub them up the wrong way? But then it's business, isn't it? You know, that they the kind of expect yeah, that. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. Uh, Moz at Moza92, relatively pleased. I thought we lacked speed across the board, and really we've sorted that. The secondary is just speed concerned with a tight end and uh, position and it's relying on Irv Smith staying healthy too much for comfort interested how Bengals fans seem more down on it than the experts who love it Simon Walker at Grass Bandits Solid took the lower risk approach of letting the draft come to us but worked out great in my opinion secondary and pass rush juice were my priorities and both were aced Love the speed on D and love the overall strategy. Offense is stellar. We just need intelligence, energy, speed on D. Really interested, Simon asks, if you discuss that we do, don't need a tight end situation. I really think we're good barring injuries with the three wide receiver sets we'll see. And tem Sample is a, is a top, flight, top five blocker it is an interesting one i've seen plenty of Bengals fans and we're going to have one in a moment um um who bemoans the fact that we didn't take a tight end and the knock is uh, has been uh, that i've read with experts as well that you know we haven't taken advantage of this so-called quote marks historically deep and talented tight end class but you know they did sign irv smith a second round pick um i know he's been played with injuries so it is a risk and yes i know that um you know 
we're in uh you know we don't use the tight ends that much to warrant a, a high pick um so i'm kind of good with it but yeah I, yeah i think i i think i would have liked a tight end uh if i was being picky I, I think you should have done. And as much as we can devalue the position and say, oh, look, you know, we don't use it that much. Hayden Hurst and CJ Uzama, um, when they were here, had good seasons. You know, Joe Burrow historically quite likes to use the tight end. Um, and I think Irv Smith, with the greatest respect to him, is a worse football player at this moment than Hayden Hurst was. Um, and you've got the question marks of the injuries. You know, he, he's Irv Smith got a bigger upside I think than Hayden Hurst I think he potentially has a higher ceiling if he was to stay healthy and get in on this off offence he quite excites me as a player but I just think you know and this is no disrespect to Drew Sample or Devin Asiasi but I, I just think for a Super Bowl contending team that will be the favourite second favourite third favourite in the AFC depending on who you speak to that is a position that we have almost certainly regressed that. And if Irv Smith is to get injured or, you know, doesn't live up to his billing, I, I think you it, it's almost foolishly weak with Drew Sample and Asiasi from a receiving standpoint. Now, I know that, you know, they can step up. I know Drew Sample's a good blocker. He's, we've had him on the podcast, a fantastic guy. I'm sure he's excellent in the locker room. And I know he struggled with injuries last year. And actually, if healthy, could he be, you know, a bit better? But... Yeah, I, I just think to not throw a fourth round pick at a tight end, third round pick at a tight end, get someone in that locker room, get someone to compete with Drew Sample, Devin Asiasi, um, I think it would have been a worthwhile exercise, really. But the, rather than taking two wide receivers and booting someone like Trent Taylor off the roster, I, I just think that we would have been a better use of a pick probably you know rounds four to six even rounds three I mean I would have been up for Michael Meyer if they'd taken him I'd have been absolutely buzzing I thought he was a fantastic player but I do completely understand the point at the moment you've got Chase Higgins Boyd unbelievable wide receiver trio probably the best in the NFL certainly a top three trio in the NFL if you go and draft Michael Meyer, you don't address the defensive end position or another position on the roster. How many good players can you even have at receiver that are going to get the ball? You know what I mean? You've got three guys there, plus, you know, Irv Smith, who you've gone out and paid, plus Michael Meyer. You know, some of these guys are just not going to get the ball. They're not going to be involved. You know, there's only so many people that can touch the football in a game. So it would have been a bit gluttonous. It would have been potentially quite good you know, long-term um, to have had a guy like that on the roster. And I'm sure they were very tempted by it, but the reality is you do need, um, we did need to improve the pass rush and we went where we went, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I think a lot, I think a lot of the time as well, the guys would like just going before when we were picking, there was quite a few instances like the Darnell Washington one where in the third round, he would have been great value. I know there's a lot of questions over his injury history, which is what caused him to fall. But I just felt like whenever the Bengals potentially could have been like, oh, yeah, Gorman would take one of these guys, you know, they, they tended to come off the board. So not ideal. That's the one knock I would say that really does take the draft sort of down from that A territory into B is that I do think we are thin at tight end. But then do not rule out some good players being released between now um, and the start of the regular season. And I think if they were to be, the Bengals would be interested. Right, let's rattle through these last few comments. Derek Davis, we've got an angry Derek here, by the way. Derek Davis at Sturdy Stem. Um, no solid handle for that. 
sturdy stem. I don't know. Yeah, you've given it a solid before. Um, I've changed my solids around this time. It depends what mood I'm in on the day. Okay. Uh, Derek says, where's the beef? Only one lineman and a bunch of small, fast guys. Can't <laughs> believe we skipped a much-needed tight end, but snagged a punter instead, while Coots was still there for the taking. This is the price of having a good team and drafting late. Jamie at Tresh Quiet Beaster. Yeah, all right with it. Uh, would have liked a tight end, but not Washington. As ever, the offensive line woes, in quotation marks, of the Bengals have been overblown, so okay with no pick there. Jones and Yoshivash put the Trents and Lassiter under pressure. Absolutely. Uh, VB at Von Blade. B plus. I'd have liked Tyler Scott instead of Charlie Jones, although CJ is good too. Yoshivash is a potential star eventually, but Kuntz was there as a known quantity. Otherwise, I think we did the best with the slot we had. Uh, Sean Tyler at Sean Tyler UK. Um, like others, surprise, uh, we went with safety on day two. Yoshivash is a bit of a project, and Ivy seemed a reach. So Kuntz and Ojomo in rounds six and seven were my choices. A solid B-plus from me. I'd also love to see us move up and down the board more rather than wait to see who's available. So, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And finally, Martin Croson at Martin underscore Croson. It lacked stardust but was uh, really functional and loads of the picks made uh made complete sense for short and long-term planning this is life with low picks like 28 it's not a case of who we want anymore it's who is left and that's a strange feeling as a long-term Bengals fan here here and very well put I think that's the perfect one to end on I mean if we are a winning team which we are at the moment and long may that continue this is what we're going to have to get used to you know there is a little bit of uh, room for moving up and down but the Bengals aren't typically a big mover team you know they might do a little bit but not too much um but yeah he's right it's making the best of who's left we're not going to get top 10 picks and top 10 talent so you it's down to you know who fits who's left and whether they match with what they need and what they want in a player and I mean in terms of on the field and also athletically as well, you know. I think Miles Murphy fits their ideal size and, uh, you know, ticks all the boxes really from what they value and covet. So, yeah, good stuff. Another one in the books, Nathan. Um, we will be back. Uh, I think we're going we're gonna to have a few more before we take a bit of a break. Um, uh, we've got our summer party to plan, so stay tuned. Also in big news, uh, we've once again teamed up with Touchdown Trips to return to Cincinnati this autumn. Obviously, the actual game that we'll be visiting is very much TBC. We're waiting for the fixture list to come out, and who knows, there might be a London game in there too. But certainly there's um, uh, there's a Touchdown Trips trip after the success of last year's uh, jaunt over to Cincinnati. Uh, just visit at Touchdown Trips uh, on Twitter and uh, Touchdown Trips on Facebook. You'll see the link there so you can pre-register. There's no obligation at the moment. It's just a pre-registration thing for your interest. And then obviously once we sort out uh, the finer details, i.e. 
you know, perhaps not the finer details, but the absolute <laughs> important details like dates, which game we're going to go to, and price and all that kind of stuff. But what I will say, if you are interested and you can um, afford it, I mean, it's not cheap, let's face it, but it's, uh, it is a fantastic trip. And, you you know, the hotel that we stay in is literally two minutes walk away from Paycor. Um, it's just a fantastic trip. Uh, you know, three four days in the, in Queen City. So, if you're able to do it and you want to do it, go and pre-register, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be releasing more details uh, as the time comes. So, um, with that, I'll stop talking, Nathan. Oh, it's a who day for me. And a who day for me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.